Well, my name's Rich. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here as well. Uh, it's great to have you all with us um, on this lovely summer's day. Um, I'm, I'm pretending it's summer already, so I hope it's only going to get better from here, but we'll see. Um, uh, a very warm welcome to you. As a church, we've been working through um, a book called 40 Days with Jesus um, that charts the period between Jesus' death on the cross um, and then his um, ascension, which is a period of, um, well, it's about... Um, uh, 50 days, uh, but we're working through it 40 days, looking at different encounters that Jesus has um, along the way with different people. Um, we're going to be in Matthew 28, uh, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. The words will come up um, on the screen behind me. There they are, wonderful, um, so that you can follow along if you don't have a Bible. Um, but I'm going to pray, um, and then we're going to get into it. Um, Lord, we pray that this afternoon you would um, come and speak to the depths of our heart. Lord, we pray that this afternoon your word uh, would pierce our hearts, Lord, that you would um, come and do a mighty work within us. Lord, we pray that your word would be living and active, Lord, that it would be effective in our life, Lord Jesus, and that you, by your Holy Spirit, would come and direct us and lead us. Um, In your precious name we ask. Lord, give us ears to hear. Lord, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Amen. Amen. Um, These few verses, um, if you've been a Christian for any period of time, you will probably already have heard them. Um, From the end of Matthew's Gospel, um, which is a witness account of Jesus' life, um, they're probably one of the most famous um, verses for Christians um, because it encompasses so much. It embodies so much of what it means to be a Christian. Um, And as you might assume, because of that, um, there's loads in there that we could dig out. There's loads that we can um, really work through. Um, and we are going to do quite a bit of um, work this afternoon in terms of figuring uh, through these verses. Um, so I hope you're up for that. Um, but it, it, if there's stuff that you feel um, that God particularly lays on your heart, um, I, would, I would ask you not to ignore that. Um, don't just kind of pretend that, um, you know, out of one sermon you can get everything you need to from these verses. These are verses that are really encouraging to go back to time and time and time again um, and look at them in the context of scripture, look at them and how, and how they affect our life um, and how they instruct us to live um, and, and, and really do the work. If God's prompting you in that way, um, I really want to encourage you to, to do that legwork. Um, so here we go from Matthew uh, 28 verses 16 um, to 20. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, uh, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, and some, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, right there at the beginning, we see um, that Jesus has uh, told them, directed them to go to this mountain. Um, They had previously been in Jerusalem, um, and then uh, they were traveling up to meet Jesus um, because he said that he'd meet them at this mountain. Um, I wonder what the conversation would have been on the way. Um, As we've been looking over these um, few weeks, uh, different encounters that Jesus has with different people, with different groups of people, we can see there's a whole range of emotions that's 
going on. There's, there's, there's confusion and there's doubts. There's, um, there's happiness. There's joy. There's, there's almost kind of puzzlement at times. It's a real kind of like eclectic mix of different emotions that are kind of all sort of manifesting at the same time. And I wonder if on the way they were starting to, you know, even question whether Jesus was going to be there. What's quite going on? Where's this all going? We're going back to Galilee. This is where they'd come from. Um, and in the three years they'd been all over the place. And yet Jesus is essentially saying, go back to Galilee where it all started. Um, and so you can imagine that it was, it was probably a little bit of a, uh, I guess exciting time, but they didn't really know what exciting for what. Um, it was probably incredibly confusing because they weren't quite sure where things were going to go from here. Um, and so we see uh, right at the beginning then, um, we see that when Jesus then comes to them um, and they do finally see him, that they're, 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 there's, there's almost confusion in their reaction. And I guess that's partly down to their personality. Some of them just fell down and worshipped him um, because of who he was. Some of them doubted. Um, and so there's this kind of, there's this nervousness about it. Um, and we see um, they probably worshipped him because... It, it confirmed everything that Jesus had said about himself. Um, Paul goes so far to say that actually without the resurrection, this whole thing is essentially in vain. It's a waste of time. Um, and uh, so some of them were probably uh, relieved that he was actually there and fell down and worshipped him because of all that he had done um, and all that he claimed um, to have done and to be as well. Um, there were probably huge amounts of doubt. Um, we can probably be sure that Thomas, the, the, the famous doubting Thomas, Thomas, um, he gets a bit of a rough ride, um, probably wasn't always that down, um, but you know, he would have been in the, in the group and there would have been others as well that were kind of like, what's going on, what, where are we going to go now, um, what's going to happen from here, can we really be sure this is Jesus, um, can we really be sure about anything really and what, what he's now going to say to us. Um, and then even in the midst of this confusion and this kind of mixed reaction, um, Jesus speaks to them. Um, and he speaks, and it's really interesting because Jesus doesn't wait until they've all kind of got it sorted. He doesn't wait until they've kind of reached a unanimous decision that, yes, this is Jesus. Yes, he has risen from the dead. And yes, everything he said about himself is true. He doesn't do that. He speaks into this confusion. He speaks into this um, group of people that were seemingly a little bit um, haphazard, weren't entirely sure or what they were thinking uh, together or whether they were really, um, well, what re- didn't really know what they thought. Um, and yet in the midst of it, um, Jesus' voice when he speaks in brings this incredibly clear directive word. Um, and what we can understand is that actually Jesus doesn't wait for us to get it all sorted. Actually, even in the confusion of our own lives and the confusion of our own circumstances, Jesus can speak a word that brings clarity, that brings direction, that brings brings purpose. And so what did he say to them? When he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What an opening sentence, hey? That's massive when you think about it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The problem with um, us becoming so familiar with these verses is we often lose the weight of them. We lose the power of what actually is being conveyed. This is a huge, huge statement. This is bigger than Caesar in Rome. This is bigger than any empire that's gone before. This is bigger than anything they've ever experienced. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so why does, why, 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 why does he have this authority? What reason has he got to claim that he has this authority? Um, well, 
We have to rewind a few weeks um, back to the crucifixion, um, back to his death on the cross. You see, the fact that Jesus has stood there saying these things is proof of the fact that he's risen from the dead. It's proof of the fact that everything he said about himself leading up to his crucifixion um, is, has come to pass and is true. Um, and at that point, it means the gospel, the good news about Jesus, that he has come to die for our sin to rescue us from sin, to save us from death, and to promise eternal life for us is true. And so at that point, it's a massive statement. Jesus has all authority. He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. He's defeated the enemy. And now he is victorious. And now, at this point, these 50 days, what we understand is he's in this period between his rising again from the dead and his, what we call, ascension, when he then goes up into heaven. And so it's almost like he's on a journey himself. He's on a journey going from the death that he died, being risen to life, and now on his way back to heaven. And so at that point... um, Uh, we see that um, it's essentially, his authority is coming from the fact that he has been victorious. The authority that he's been given, because Jesus said, he he doesn't say that I've taken all authority. He doesn't say based on my victory I've then taken all authority. The authority that he's given, as he said, is given to him by God the Father. Um, At this point we we, we get an insight into the person of God, if you like. That God the Father who sent Jesus to die on the cross in our place for our sin has now bestowed on him authority, has now given him all authority in heaven and on earth. Um, If we can flick over to Philippians 2, Paul, if you like, sums this up a little bit. I know Steph read it out right at the beginning, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, This verse didn't even come up in the book, so I don't think he could have stolen that one. But but from Philippians 2, though he was in the form of God, this is talking about Jesus. This is talking about the risen Lord Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, when Jesus said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, that's what he's talking about. That's what he's saying, that God has given me all authority. It's incredible, really. And actually, becoming a Christian, being Christians, is about saying, do you know what? I recognize Jesus' authority in my life. I'm willingly putting myself under his authority. The reality is that we're all under a certain authority. We, we, we all come under certain authorities. I know authorities become a little bit of a dirty word, right? Because nobody likes authority. We see it as oppressive. We see it as kind of almost abusive in a way. And it kind of constricts us and holds us back from what we really want to do. Um, but if we understand authority correctly, actually it's incredibly liberating as we'll see later on. Um, but 
we're all under a certain level of authority, and even this week we would have seen that, right? So Thursday we all voted um, for who we wanted to be in government. At that point, we have voted democratically for a ruling party. Uh, as a nation, we might not have voted for them ourselves, um, but at that time, what we've done is we've basically put ourselves forward and said, um, we, democratically, the people of the United Kingdom, believe this, these people to rule us at this time for this next term in Parliament. And so we come under their authority. Right? And I would just say as well on that, with, with something like the election, it's a it's an authority that is permitted by God. It's not something that God is, an, is now out of control of. Although we come under that authority, the point at which God's authority and the government's authority clash and disagree, at that point we, we have to be true to who God has made us, who God's created us to be. And we have to say, do you know what? We, in, in this circumstance, we come under Jesus' authority. Now, that's a very bold statement to make, um, especially in a country like ours, like ours um, where we do have certain freedoms um, and things like that. But what it also means is we can't, at that point, then criticise and opt for another option. If, if off the back of the elections on Thursday we wanted to perhaps um, opt for another option, essentially what we're saying is we would rather a different worldly system of government to the one we've got. The reality is they're all fallen. Right Now, we might have a preference in that, but if we're not basing our politics and entire, indeed our life on Christ, on biblical principles, then actually we're just, we're just switching one worldly authority for another one. And the Bible's clear that all men are fallen, except one, except Jesus. And when we come under his authority, when our politics is dictated by his authority... Actually, the agendas, the way that we then um, treat those in authority is actually instead of criticizing and slamming and condemning them, actually our heart is now let's pray for them. We recognize Jesus is sovereign over everything. All authority in heaven and earth, right? That means the current government, our job isn't to criticize, our job is to pray. Our job is to really be for them and really, um, really pray for them, um, pray that God's will would be done and that God would use them um, as he were. Anyway, um, but yes, uh, um, yes, we'll leave that there. Um. So at this point, Jesus then goes on to tell us what it looks like to live under his authority, what it looks like to be um, believers that are living out the call of God um, in their lives and their authority. Um, And so we move on to probably um, uh, the next part. Uh, Well, if we go back to Matthew 28, the first slide. Uh, Yeah, there we go. Um, And so the commission part. So so moving on from uh, that, so in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go. Now that Jesus has all authority, he then commands them to go. There's different seasons to going. There's different times when we get up and go and things like that. It's not always such an, uh, such an active um, moving from one place to another. Um, actually, a lot of the time we can go by staying. Uh, actually, there are people around us that we need to reach. There are people, there is a lost world. Um, when it says make disciples of all nations, um, a part of those nations are on our doorstep, right? 
we have been called to the nations. We've been called to go and make disciples of all nations. Um, and so for some of us, that will mean going. Some of us, that will mean going to another nation, going to the ends of the earth. That's the call on us from um, Acts, if you like. But actually for us, some of us, probably quite a lot of us, actually the call is to go here to go in our communities, to go to our neighbours, to go to our colleagues at work, to go to the Fleet Festival and support, to reach out to those on our doorstep, to reach out to the, the ends of the, the earth that have come here, right? And to actually reach those that are in our lives at this time. Um, otherwise, you end up in a funny kind of limbo land um, where you're kind of constantly waiting to get there. You're constantly waiting to do that. And it's kind of you never actually cross over into actually doing anything because you're constantly waiting for what's next. Um, And so it's really important, depending on the season that God's got us in, depending on the timing of our life and where we're at, that we understand what is the call of God at this time. Um, what are the gifts that he's given me to serve where I am? Um, what, what, what is my place in the body? Where do I fit in his great plan? Where do I fit in terms of what he's called me to? Um, if you're unsure about that, I would just say, find somewhere where you're serving and just ask whoever's leading your team. If you're in a gospel community, ask your GC leaders, what are the gifts that I have? Where do you think I would best serve? Where do you think I would best fit in the body of Christ? Um, and and be prepared for an honest answer. Um, And it might be humbling. Um, It might be quite revealing to you as well um, at the same time. And you see, that's why belonging here at Rev means being part of a service team. That's why it means being part of and plugged into a GC, because both of those things are a going action. Both of those are looking to, one, serve the people um, of Revelation Church, but also looking to serve those in the community around us. We're looking to reach the people in North London with the gospel. That's, that's, that's what we're called to do, to go and make disciples. Um, Tanika and I a few years ago were at a conference and um, just, to, just to draw this quite starkly for you, we, um, we were both uh, sat there and somebody was preaching on this, this, this topic, going, going by staying, going by going um, and that kind of thing. And um, at the end of the sermon, um, the, guy, the guy basically said, I want everybody that's called to go by going um, to stand up, which point I stood up, Tanika stayed sitting. And uh, <laughs> at that point I was like, come on, what are you doing? Um, obviously quite brash, I know, um, and immature. Um, but at the end of the day, like I, like, I know my heart is to go. Um, but I, I had to come to terms with the fact that even being here in London is going. Actually being involved in my neighbours' lives, actually being involved with colleagues at work actually is going actually is, is, is reaching those people that God has placed around me is going to the ends of the earth. Um, and so Tanika and I had this really rather frank conversation. I'd always assumed that we would move to London and um, to join a church plant, and then in five years we'd be gone, we'd join another church plant. Um, I, I just thought that was the way it was going to work because God had laid church planting on my heart. Um, and so at that point we just had to do, I, I personally had to do some deconstructing of that and just think, well, how much is this, is this what I want to do and how much of it is, the, is God's call on my life? And as you might imagine, we're still here, so, (laughs) Uh, yeah, that was a bit humbling. Um, 
But, you know, but it's really interesting because these things are figured out in community. They're figured out by who's around us, by the conversations that we have, um, by the season of life that we're in, um, where God has placed us at this specific time and to reach who. And so at that point, um, we're called to go and make disciples of all nations. Um, and so who, who, who is Jesus talking to at this point when he says, go and make disciples of all nations? Anyone has a guess? Hmm? His disciples, right? He's talking to the 11 disciples that have gone up to Galilee that he's met on the mountain. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. There's two applications to this. He's saying to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. He's saying, he's saying to them collectively as a body, 11, it's your job to go to the ends of the earth. It's your job to go and make disciples of all nations, which is a massive call for 11 men. Right? The problem is, we often think of that in terms of personal experience. We often hear that as Jesus saying, you go and reach the lost. And all of a sudden, you can see in the context of the body, it makes much more sense. Because now we play our part as a part of God's call to go. Right? There is a personal application. I'm not saying there isn't. Obviously, we have to take it, contextualize it to where we are, to who we're trying to reach, to the neighbors God's given us, to the people in our lives. Um, And at that point, it's about where has God placed me to go. But collectively, God calls us to go and make disciples of all nations. And so that's what we're doing. And that's what, they, that's what they do, essentially, is from there they then go and make disciples of all nations. Um, there are two things that he then says to them, um, if we move on uh, to the next, uh, at the second part of verse 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So at this point, we're called to go and baptize people. We're called to go and make um, people disciples and to baptize them. And what we see is actually, if we flick over to the next slide, um, Romans 6, um, from Romans 6, verse 3. Uh, there we go. Um, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Scripturally, there's no getting away from the fact that baptism is kind of inextricably linked to conversion. So when we become Christians, when we become disciples of Jesus, we can't get away from the fact that actually a part of our call is to be baptized. A part of our call is is to be immersed in water. Um, And as we see there, Paul's really clear in his thoughts on baptism. And you can see at this point why Jesus um, makes such a point of it. In fact, even in Acts 2, another one um, where Peter then um, preaches the gospel um, and people respond and he says, repent and be baptized. Um, So you can see there's a real link between becoming a Christian and baptism. Um, why? Um, probably uh, because it's such, it's such a demonstra- it does a demonstration of your commitment to follow Jesus. Um, and beyond that, it's, it's, it's more than a symbol, really. Um, often you'll hear about it in the context, well, it symbolizes, you know, dying to your old self and being raised with Christ. But that's not what Paul says. 
Paul says when you were baptized, you died. And when you, were, when you came up out of the water, you were raised to new life. That's what he says. You can't get away from that. You can't say, well, it's just a nice symbol. It's just something that we like to do as a demonstration of our faith. It is, but it's more than that. It, it's an identification with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And that's why here we are passionate about baptizing people. We are passionate about seeing people baptized and um, added to the kingdom. Um, and when should baptism happen? Well, baptism, we see it throughout the book of Acts, that baptism pretty much comes straight after, um, pretty much straight after conversion. Um, so um, Acts 10, Cornelius uh, gets baptized pretty much straight after um, he uh, becomes a Christian, becomes a disciple of Jesus. We see um, Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. Um, again, he says, well, what is there to stop me from getting baptized? And they found a pool of water, baptized him. It's, it, it happens as immediately after conversion as possible. We often think that um, nowadays that we have to you know, come to a place of, of, of where we're happy with it, where we're comfortable with it, but that's not... That's not the biblical pattern. The biblical pattern is you become a disciple of Jesus and you get baptized. Right? If you're then raised to newness of life, that's what equips you for newness of life. Right? Otherwise, you get stuck in a kind of funny sort of period where you're now waiting to get baptized. But it doesn't quite fit with the biblical model. The biblical model is become a disciple of Jesus, get baptized, and live in newness of life. And so at that point, um, he then moves on, um, teaching them to observe um, all that um, I have uh, commanded you. Um, At this point, this is where I found the book fantastically helpful. Um, So if you've been tracking with the book, um, he talks about um, what to, to... teaching does um, and how it's essentially used and effective in lives and he breaks it into three categories um, what he calls legalism license um, and liberty Um, it's really important that before we start teaching people um, that they are disciples right before we start teaching people um, essentially to obey uh, to observe all that i have commanded you before we begin teaching they must be disciples it's not that we have to teach people, they then get fixed up and then, um, and then somehow they, somewhere along the journey, find Jesus. No, like Jesus spoke into the confusion. And so at that point, we have to trust that as people become disciples, they become um, and observe uh, all that I have commanded you to. Um, and so legalism uh, essentially says um, that I will read this. Legalism says uh, I'm a disciple by what, by what I do. I'm a disciple by the way that I perform. Um, and if you like, that's 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 trying to um, sort yourself out before you get to God. Right? That's trying to get things all patched up um, and, and kind of make yourself presentable um, to God. Um, and that's, that's not what's being taught here. That's not what um, we're to do. Um, second of all, license. Um, license says, uh, I am a disciple, but it's not based on my performance. And so that kind of means I could do whatever I want. Right? That, to some extent, is the scandal of the gospel is that actually we aren't disciples based on our performance. We aren't disciples based on what God's do. But that shouldn't give us then license to then do whatever we want and trust in the grace of God. The third option is liberty. Liberty says that I'm a disciple. It's not based on performance. 
It's not based on what I do. But because of Jesus' death on the cross and the fact that he died for my sin, I'm now going to put myself under God's authority. I'm now going to come and live under Jesus' authority in my life. And at that point, you want to obey. At that point, you want to um, observe all, all that he's commanded you. At that point, you want to live for him. It's not because you want to attain something, but because actually you know that it's not based on what you've done. And because it's not based on what you've done, you can voluntarily submit to his authority. If you like, it's a coming under authority based um, on obedience. It's, it's a pattern of life um, of putting yourself before uh, God. Okay. Um, we, we're going to move on to uh, the last part. So right at the end there, there's this last um, few, uh, well, the end of verse 20 really. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What an incredible truth. What an incredible, incredible statement. There's a commitment in there that Jesus has promised to go with us to the very end of the age. Um, We often get it wrong um, as Christians, I'm sorry, um, but we often read it as, now we are to go. Thank you, Jesus. We'll see you later. Right? And now we go and do the work, and now we go and get on with it, and now we go and get our hands dirty. Um, But actually, Jesus here is saying, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Um, Again, from the book, uh, he talks about the idea of not just commissioning, but co-mission. That actually we are on mission with Jesus. That actually it's a partnership deal that we've we've entered into that Jesus is the one that is on mission and he has invited us into it. What an incredible prospect that is, right? No longer are we just kind of charging off doing what we want, trying to do our best efforts, but all of a sudden we have God with us who takes us with him on this incredible mission, this incredible journey. Um, How does that happen? How does that happen? Because when Jesus says this, he's, he's literally stood there on a mountain and these 11 are probably looking at each other thinking, well, if you're going to go back to Jerusalem, I'm going to go over here. How's this all going to work? Um, but the wonderful thing is, um, a few weeks later, Jesus' ascension, Jesus goes up into heaven um, and the Bible says that the Father um, and Jesus pour out the Spirit on his body, on the church, on disciples, on those that have um, entered into this glorious partnership, this glorious mission um, with him. Um, and through his Holy Spirit, um, who in uh, John is described as a counsellor, a guide, a helper, um, one who kind of draws alongside us and helps us and leads us, actually we can have incredible confidence and that as we do that, he will equip us. He will empower us. He will give us gifts to accomplish that. He will work with us. He will work through us. He'll, he'll be placing conversations in our way. He'll be orchestrating things um, so, that we can, so that we can be effective in this mission. And our part in it is to obey. Our part in it is to go with him. Our part in it is to walk with him in it. Um, when I was uh, when I was about six or seven or so, um, I 
I, I am confessing this publicly. Um, I took about two pounds from my brother. Um, yes, I stole two pounds um, when I was about six or seven. And my plan was to go and buy loads of sweets. Um, and so I did. Um, obviously, the, the, um, the truth caught up with me. Um, and my dad basically sat me down um, and just talked me through what I'd done, why I'd done it. Um, and so he said to me, um, right, now, um, as, as part of this, you're now going to have to go and um, apologize to your brother. Um, you're going to have to go and apologize to the people that sold you the sweets um, because that was wrong. Um, and at that point, I, can, I was six or seven, right? And I can remember just thinking, oh, no. The, just the humiliation, the, 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 just, just the embarrassment of it really was just crushing. And... Um, and at that point, I was—I felt so—I felt so defeated. I was like, "Man alive, okay." But I was kind of trying to muster myself up. And right at the end of the conversation, my dad just said to me, "Look, do you want me to come with you?" And I was just like, "Yes, yes, yes, come with me." Um, and and somehow, okay, I know I know it's a little bit of a silly example, um, but actually having my dad there stood just over my shoulder while I then apologised to my brother and asked for his forgiveness was was incredibly empowering, was incredibly um, releasing for me actually because what it meant was that my dad was there if anything went wrong. And actually, I, like, I knew that it wasn't that, although I had to make amends and I had to do things right and I had to do this, then actually, like, having my, my dad there just meant there was a partnership thing that was going on that, and, and obviously it was discipline, he was correcting me, don't get me wrong, um, but actually I felt incredibly secure and safe and loved out of which to then do those things, to take those actions. And in a similar way, obviously, not in quite the same context, um, um, but in a similar way, having God there actually equips us, empowers us, and actually gives us the freedom that we need to actually reach out to those around us, to, have, to, to be on this mission together. And we can go confident in the knowledge that if people reject us, they're not rejecting us, they're rejecting him. Our Heavenly Father stood over our shoulder we just go as his mouthpiece. He's called us into this mission. He's called us into what he's doing. It's incredible. Um, let's turn to uh, Matthew 16. Uh, should come up on the slide. Oh, we probably skipped a couple of slides, but that's fine. Um, yeah, uh, and a little bit further. And again. And again. Oh, which way are we going? Uh, keep going. Matthew uh, 16, verse 18, we're looking for. Uh, okay, okay, there we go, there we go. Um, uh, now, when Jesus came um, into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples, to tell no one that he was the Christ. 
at this point then, uh, verse 18, um, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Who's building his church? Jesus. Jesus is building his church. It's Jesus' mission to build the church. It's Jesus' mission um, to extend his kingdom on the earth. And what does he say to Peter? And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He gives him a significant role, Peter in particular, but I think this is applicable to us as well, that actually God calls us, he's building his church, but he commissions us and he equips us and he empowers us to go and carry out things on his behalf, to go with him and be effective in the communities that we're reaching. He's delegated an authority um, to Peter in this case, but in Matthew 28, to us. He's delegated an authority to us. And so what do we do with this? What do we do with these verses? What do we do with this commission? Well, a part of it we're already doing as a church. That's kind of what we do, right? That's kind of what we try and fit everything we're doing under this, this call to go and make disciples of all nations. To go and partner with Jesus as he reaches this part of North London. Is he God has spoken into the confusion? He's spoken into our confusion and he's commissioned us to go to the ends of the earth. For some of us that will mean go by going. Some of us that will mean um, taking off um, to another nation. That will mean going to the ends of the earth to preach the gospel. Um, But for many of us in this room it will mean sticking out your job. It will mean telling your friends about Jesus. It will mean getting along to the fleet festival. Um, It will mean really digging your heels in and doing some hard graft in this part of North London. And just to speak honestly, part of the conversation that Tanika and I are having now is, if we're called here long term, what have we got to do to, to get that done? What have we got to do to make that last? What have we got to do to be here for decades into the future? And I'm not negating the fact that God can speak into any situation. But what I am saying is, if God's called me to go, which he has, he's called all of us to go, then how am I going now? What does that look like now? What does that look like for the friends that we have? For the season of life that we're in with little Alana, who's just one, at that point, we've, we've got, we've got young families coming out of our ears, right? And so how do we get into their lives? How do we invite them into our lives? How do we practically reach those people with the mission that Jesus is on? And what part has He called us to play in that? You see, the call on all of us is to go and make disciples. Um, is to go and reach a dying world, to go and reach a lost world that's out there. And so I, 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 just, want, I just want us to um, just carry the weight of that, really, the weight of the commission of Jesus to reach this part of London. See, it's not like, it's not like this is a good idea, right? This is God's idea. This wasn't a part of our plan. Nobody thought, well, I know, let's go and set up a church in North London, right? It was God that said, I'm going to build my kingdom here. I'm going to establish a people here and I'm going to reach hundreds of thousands of people with the message of the gospel that they can know eternal life and come into partnership with me um, on this mission together. Now, you might be sat here and you are not a Christian, you're not a disciple, and you might be thinking, man, are you talking to me? Yeah, (laughs) 
the, the reality is if we're to live biblical lives, then actually God's called us all to come under Jesus' authority, allow him to be the authority in our life, and actually partner with him as we then go out on mission together. And we can, we can talk about that. I'm totally up for talking about that, working that through, perhaps what that means for you and the impact that it might have on your life. Um, But the call on all of us is to come under Jesus' authority and to pursue him. Jesus, I thank you for the call that you've placed on each one of our lives. Lord, I thank you that you um, invite us into this incredible mission, this incredible journey, this incredible partnership with you. Lord, that you, um, Lord, Lord, just make... Lord, where we lack, Lord, you um, just supply all we need. And Lord, we recognize it is incredible. It is completely undeserved and it is completely by your grace and your goodness towards us. Lord, we thank you that you are so kind. Lord, we thank you that you are so for us. Lord, we thank you that you um, are so for our friends. Lord, thank you that you are so for our communities. Lord, this part of North London, Lord, that you are looking to reach, Lord, with your gospel. Thank you that you've called us to that mission. And Lord, I pray you would equip us, empower us. Um, Lord, give us the gifts that we need, the tools that we need to do that right now in the name of Jesus. Just where you are, why don't you just open your heart up to him um, and just, 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 just say, God, give, give, give me what I need. Give me what I need. Um, open doors with um, these friends. Open doors with those friends. Open doors with that community. Um, it may be for your gospel community that you want to see particular success in particular areas. Um, just where you are, just begin to just begin to pray that out um, and just ask God to come um, and complete his mission, continue his mission, um, and continue that work of reaching those lost people.